Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is special guest and friend of the pod, although I don't know why he's friend of the pod, because I tortured him with Mamma Mia, here we go again. <laughs> he's still the creator and like the god of stage to screen. It's Darius Fry, everyone! Whee! How you guys doing? How you guys doing? I love it. The god of stage to screen. I mean, essentially, I guess. <laughs> Basically, yeah, because it's your thing. It's your child. It's your. It's 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 whatever. We're recording this a little bit in advanced, so I don't know if season three is already out at this point. But season two is pretty banger of your mm, of, yeah. of your series. Thank I you. really loved the sixth number personally. Thank you, thank you. That one. That one was a process. Like, honestly, the whole idea of like making, you know, uh, making a, a season, making it seasons in general came from some of the videos that are actually in season two, just because it was like, it's going to take so long to do these. We'll make it another season. Six is one of them. Six was in my mind. I was like, okay, I'm going to make this the finale of season one. And it just, it was just going to be too much of a process. So them being in season two but yeah it's that one's doing great it's definitely the the most popular of of season two so far and uh yeah we're really proud of that one i'm waiting for them to come back in season four to do the song six yeah yeah honestly i mean just saying you know you got a fan here i mean it's in it's it's in the air now it's in the air you made it float i manifest i manifest a lot of things on this podcast (laughs) Let's hope some of them happen. (laughs) Yes. So we're here to talk about a movie that you picked this time, which, yeah, I'm, uh, the fans are excited. I could hear them cheering on, you know, looking at the (laughs) title and everything. We're here to talk about Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, which is technically the full title of the movie. Yes, Technically, it is. <laughs> We're going to talk about a lot this time. We're going to talk about a lot this episode. Technically. Yeah. It came out in 1993. The screenplay is by Carolyn Thompson. Mm-hmm. Story by Tim Burton. Yes. Uh, music and lyrics by Danny Elfman. Directed by Henry Selick. Henry Selick. Yep. I even watched that holiday documentary on Netflix talking about it, and I still can't pronounce his last name. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that one uh movies that made us the holiday edition yeah 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 yeah. we'll get into that too in a bit um mm. but according to imdb jack skellington king of halloween town discovers christmas town but his attempts to bring christmas to his home causes confusion mm-hmm. um i'm gonna argue no with that <laughs> it i mean it does at first but then it just feels like everyone is gung-ho being like, let's do Christmas now. All right. Yeah. Where they meld Halloween and Christmas together. Yeah. Yeah. Creating terrifying gifts. Mm-hmm. Gifts. Not 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 the, you know, GIF. <laughs> I, I, there's a T there, but it's silent. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> so was this like your childhood Halloween movie? This is my this was my childhood everything movie. Like this movie again, you know, came out in 1993. I wouldn't see it for a few more years. I was only three years old at the time. So like anything that I did see around that time, I just I don't remember much. But um this movie was definitely the start of my love for stop motion um in the process of stop motion and you know just like the the length that it needed just like building this world legitimately with your hands and on top of that like fantastic musical numbers um and a story that flows that makes sense and i just i enjoyed this movie so much as a kid and it's still one of my favorite movies of all time that i i like to watch for for me I've made more of a tradition. Like sometimes it'll skip and I'll just, I'll end up watching it earlier, but I don't actually typically watch this movie all through Halloween or a haul through like October, all of October's Halloween, but, um, <laughs> exactly. Halloween is now when we're recording yeah. this. Let's yeah, be real literally. here. Yeah. It's, it's literally <laughs> right now. I saw a spirit store the other day. Um, but with this movie, I like to watch this. I like to watch it's like the last thing I watch in the, in the month of October because all of October every day I watch a different Halloween or scary movie um, sometimes multiple but this one is the last one that I watch typically I'll watch it like at like midnight is November 1st basically because it's a transitional film kind of within the holidays so like I'll watch it and it's like okay it's saying like the opening number is this is Halloween and would technically it is at that time it is but by the time you're done with the movie it's like it's november and a lot of people are getting ready for the other holidays so like i watch it like that and just it's tradition now i think you answered the big debate that's been Mm -hmm. going on with this movie if it's a halloween movie or if it's a christmas movie (laughs) right i would answer it's a november movie yes yes because that is when the majority of the movie takes place in november true true yeah, they literally Halloween ends and like the next day Jack finds out about Christmas. So it's like all this movie, most of this movie is him just getting ready for it, like trying to figure it out. And a lot of it takes, you know, that montages and everything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, it's I think like it depends on which aspect of the film you kind of like the most. Like I mean, if you like like the creepy aesthetic which is most of it then yeah you'll probably you'll probably crack this open in 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 October but like if you do like the idea that he's trying to get ready for Christmas and he's literally putting like Christmas decorations up everywhere and like literally the the last scene takes place on Christmas Eve then yeah you'll probably crack this open in in December but then you know we also get like a similar debate with like gremlins like because it's like right yeah and and, you know sort of die hard and there's other ones too that are like yeah it's a this movie it's a movie it's whatever movie you want watch die hard in june watch gremlins in uh on easter i don't care but uh (laughs) i will say like with like gremlins and die hard like if you ever like are like confused about the debate whether or not they're like holiday films watch them in a different part of the year and then like it won't feel right like it feels weird like okay this is weird like i know i'm watching die hard during the summer but it's like it's christmas okay this is weird like okay it's it's a christmas movie (laughs) die hard's an action movie first and foremost so you can watch it whenever you want yeah as i did but i we digress 
I had to double check with my sister on this because mm-hmm. we didn't watch it as kids. So okay. I am going on record saying that this is my first time really watching this movie. Wow. wow. Now, now <laughs> I remember the commercials because mm-hmm. I think it was part of a trailer on like the VHS of Home Alone. I know the images. I know this is Halloween. I know some of mm-hmm. the other songs, but I think this is my first time like watching it from start to finish. Wow. Wow. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. Yeah. It was crazy. it was really hard finding finding plots in this, but I mm-hmm. will get to that in a bit. Mm-hmm. My thing though mm-hmm. is that. I don't understand what the takeaway is of this movie. Yes. Because, first of all, who really is the villain? Is it Finkelstein? Is it Oogie Boogie? Or is it Jack? That is a really, really good question. Like, that is something, because, like, the takeaway is so weird, because it's like, even so, like, it's just like, is is there a moral? On the one hand, it's just like, okay be yourself and be happy with yourself but on the other hand it's like don't try anything new you're gonna fail miserably (laughs) but also try new things because you never know if it if it is your thing yeah i I don't know i don't i don't i don't know i mean yeah okay so we kind of mentioned this the holidays that the holiday movies that made us is a netflix series Mm -hmm. spinoff of the movies that made us kind Mm of um but in it, they give a little more backstory to The Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim Burton's yes. The Nightmare Before Christmas, excuse me. Where yeah. you mentioned that the music was great. That's because they wrote it first. But there's a lot of confusion when it comes to the story and dialogue. And that's because they waited so long. Yeah. And had somebody basically like stitch the songs together. Mm-hmm. Which is like kind of what they did with Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again to do a callback to your other episode where it's like well here's the songs now make the story right probably as a kid or young young teen or whatever who's watching this they don't really they're not poking and prodding at it like we are yeah you know (laughs) two adult men but Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) i think i don't have the nostalgia factor to it because Mm -hmm. i didn't watch it as a kid i still did enjoy it but like I'm a little confused as to like how I'm supposed to feel about it. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's very interesting because it's like it's hard to say like oh Oogie's the villain, but like we don't see him until so much later in the, like in the film, you know. And it's like Finkelstein, it's 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 more like uh, it's more Sally's adversary than anyone. Like it's it's not even right yeah and then so because i I mean this movie is based this movie story is based off of a poem so it's kind of (laughs) like which which i read on imdb that the poem itself Mm -hmm. was inspired by tim burton looking at a store that was taking down the halloween decorations and putting up the christmas decorations yeah and he was like oh halloween versus christmas like that's Mm -hmm. a and then he went off and then he, you know, rendered the character, well, drew kind of the characters because he does, he does that. He draws out all of his like 
kooky mm-hmm. characters in his old movies. Right. It's just like, yeah, the, the takeaway. Like, I mean, it's that part is kind of rough. I mean, again, it, it seems it seems like, you know, they're trying to go for, you know, the idea where it's just like, you know, um, like count your blessings, be happy with what you have and what's around you and whatnot. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like like Jack's trying to conform by taking on Christmas. It seems like he just he was tired, like he he wanted something new, as we all kind of do. And then like he found something that he genuinely loved. So it was like it's like he tried to make Christmas Halloween in a way. Is it supposed to be that old adage, like, if you if at first you don't succeed, try and try again? Or is it like, is it supposed to be like a metaphor for teenagers, you know, like to find your identity? Try things out. Maybe you'll find something you like. Yeah, or you know, people, I should say. Not just teenagers, but people. You know, because um, you're always in flux with, yeah. like, your style, what you, the things that you watch and listen to. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, you the, live, exactly. So I don't, I don't know if that's if if I'm reading too deep into it or if that's exactly what these people were planning. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I think it's cool to like kind of look deep into the meaning because I mean, the people uh, surrounding this project there are like all are like artists, like like straight up like artists, like they take this stuff like super seriously. So there's probably something else. I mean. Maybe there's something to be said about like, you know, at the, you know, at the end where it like snows in Halloween town, like obviously it never has before. So they were all confused what it is. So maybe they get their own like Christmas spirit to really try to understand it. But it's like, it's also, yeah, it it, it is a little bit lost in translation. (laughs) I mean, not going to lie, when it started snowing in Halloween town, I was just like, it does snow on Halloween in some places in the world. So makes sense <laughs> yeah 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 so it's like hmm it's like uh yeah so there, there is a weird like takeaway i mean you're not necessarily sure and then you know there's also like the love story which has been one side of the entire time until the very very end <laughs> it's an, it is interesting you you <laughs> you Just... some points yeah but also so danny elfman wrote right yes mm-hmm. danny elfman <laughs> Uh, this was his first like time composing mm-hmm. music for something. I can't remember. Did he do the Little Mermaid? Was that him? No, no. no. But I was listening while I was watching when they do the town meeting song. A lot of it sounds like poor unfortunate souls. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not wrong, right? Like, am, am I crazy in thinking that? there's a lot of things kind of like compositionally in this movie that I'm realizing that like you may be able to kind of pluck from like another movie's like villain song but like all of them kind of sound like that so it's well that was the other thing too where Oogie Boogie used Blacklight and then you look at recent movies like The Princess and the Frog and even Moana where Mm -hmm. okay so Tomatoa maybe isn't the villain. Go listen to my other episode where I break down Moana. Mm-hmm. But um, they both have a blacklight moment in their. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it the villain song because yeah. Tomatoa has like the best song in the movie, and he yes. is kind of a bad guy. Yes. So I was just like, 
what I know Disney at first was very hesitant about being attached to this. But mm-hmm. then I was like, Disney, did you like steal from this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's like at first why it's like the old VHS. Because I, I even had I had that VHS word like it says like um, touchstone as opposed to Disney. Disney. Yeah. Now if you get the DVD, it's Disney. They they It's Disney all the way through and through now. I mean, this literal, this shirt I got from downtown Disney. But like, um, but before. Touchstone, For you. Th- for you, the audience, by the way, Darius is wearing the iconic shot from the movie on his shirt where Jack is on that hill that uncoils mm-hmm. <laughs> during Jack's lament, which, yes. oh, my God, let's talk about Jack's lament. <laughs> let's talk about let's let's talk about Jack's lament let's yeah, or let's talk about the music, because mm-hmm. like you said, the music is amazing it's so good it's so good like it's i mean just their opening number establishing the world that well like there are some like shows on broadway that still haven't established the world as well as what they've done with the opening number of that with this is halloween like literally establishes everything and then right away you go right into the i want song like you know it's amazing does this sh- movie have two I Want songs? I think so, yeah. I would think so. Jack's Lament is the first one. And then mm-hmm. I want to say Jack's Obsession is the second mm-hmm. one. You know, where he's doing yeah. all the experimentation on things. I think uh, Jack's journey in this, where like the songs kind of come through, like, because Jack's Lament is, it's an I Want song. He's not certain what he wants then his want changes with what's this where it's like he's trying to figure out what this place is by the end if he's saying like i want it i want it for my own and then jack's obsession is now like his i want which is <laughs> which is like his, his i want but like, I, he's frustrated with the fact that he wants it and doesn't understand it and wants it so much by the end of it he figures out okay this is how we're gonna do it and it's like this crazy shot where it's like, he's like, that's exactly what I'll do. And he like turns on the electric chair. That's when you know things have gotten off the rails. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where he's, I mean, I mean, the song is called Jack's Obsession. So he's mm-hmm. like overly obsessed with us. Yeah. But a character that I'm a little confused by is Sally. Mm. So yeah. throughout the movie, I mean, in like the beginning and middle of the movie, they don't really, her and Jack don't really interact as much, mm-hmm. but you kind of get that she's his fangirl. Yeah. But then they some, well, no, when he's handing out tasks, I think that's like the first time they, they really interact speak yeah. to each other. And mm-hmm. it's like, he knows her. Yeah. But my, I have, I have one question first. Okay. <laughs> Did Finkelstein create Sally to be like a sex thing? you know it's it's very interesting because it's like at the time you think like okay he created her as kind of like this daughter figure but the very next thing he creates is like a wife and it's like but it's it's also like so it's weird it's like okay did he create sally to be like his boo thing or <laughs> which by the way i have a fun fact about that wife that he creates mm-hmm. so you know how he gives her half his brain yeah so 
really, he should have cut it the opposite direction. So this way she had both the left and the right side of his brain. But what he ended up giving her is the logical side of his brain. Right. So now he has all this creativity and no logic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess he doesn't need it now that he has a wife, but like, I was watching it and I was just like, huh, you literally gave her all of your logic. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I I love that because it was just like, it's de- it's definitely a wife because even so it's just like <laughs> it's like he takes his brain he literally gives it to her and i'm just like what did you give sally <laughs> right what did he give sally is yeah. sally the scarecrow in this does she need a brain what's yeah. going on let's talk about it but yeah. <laughs> i didn't realize that that was Catherine o'hara's voice as sally yes yeah, she's brilliant, isn't she? Like she just she's so good. And I think she actually sang Sally's Lament because yeah. I I know that uh she reprised it in our 2013 concert for Danny Elfman. She did, yeah. So I don't know. I guess that's her. I mean that's her I, voice, yeah. I think the only one that was different was Jack, because Danny Elfman sang it, but mm-hmm. um I don't know his name, but he played prince humperdinck in uh thank you the movies that made us for telling me that that he was yeah. in, that he was that in the princess bride that yeah um his name is uh his name's chris sarandon he uh yes. if you don't know what he looks like if you're like a horror fan like watch the original fright night and he is um yeah he is the vampire um jerry in that film um but yeah uh it's and I'll give I'll go ahead and give props to Chris Ren because he did a great job. But it's it's hard for like the the fans for the fans. Danny Elfman is Jack. This <laughs> is like most of the lines are sung, and he sings through it the entire time. It's fascinating though that like this is now a Disney canon movie mm-hmm. because Jack is like one of the few male leads in a Disney movie. True. The only other one I can think of is Hercules, and I think that's it really yeah so jack is a disney king because he's king of halloween town let's be he's real king, he's yeah. not a prince he's, he's not, not a king. prince Mm-mm. so that was also something that like disney never really does like mm-hmm. disney never really does stop motion yeah or they never do because mm-hmm. this is the one and only time that they gave the money and then this is like the second the well technically this is the first real disney movie to have like a male lead i could be i could be wrong though i there's still some disney movies i have not seen yeah <laughs> um it, i mean you might it, it's hard because i don't i also don't remember i don't remember when aladdin came out i don't remember at all after even, this at, so it came out after this yeah. um yeah well, right so. aladdin is another one that is a male lead yeah there aren't there, many they're very few the princesses rule and now that they're now that like disney owns basically everything there's more mm-hmm. princesses than there are princes slash kings slash male leads yeah so. and even so just like even though like a lot like i understand like even like forgetting aladdin because like oh it's aladdin's movie but we rarely see any like promotion or anything that has aladdin it's always jasmine that's talked about it was like oh i was gonna jasmine. say i was gonna say the genie yeah so it's like it's it's it is the genie because like robin williams whoa but like 
but as far as like the canon goes, when you go, go down the line, it was like, oh, here are all the Disney princesses. princesses. <laughs> yeah. This is an interesting risk that Disney both took and both took their hands off. They're like, no, like, right. Do it, but no. <laughs> do you think, though, that they kind of made them add the love interest at the end? Probably. Like, it's, I'm blanking on the, the woman's name who, who wrote the screenplay. Carolyn Thompson. It's very interesting learning more now that, like, you know, what she went through the right that that screenplay and i believe even so like at the time she and danny elfman were, were romantically involved yes um and so there's so much of her in that character i i do want i do wonder like if there was much um if there was much interference from disney just because like i know that they you know they initially wanted the the film you know to be done you know at the behest of tim burton because tim burton was hot at the time hot off of batman so it was like we want to do something we want to we want to get him you know involved in something but it's like this is some creepy stuff so let's 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 push this to the side to where like okay we'll we'll reap the benefits but it, no one will know it's us just yet um, right right we'll use our you know our other company touchstone that yeah. we kind of own yeah <laughs> and then they also didn't know who the audience was for which guys you really just need to watch the mo- the holiday movies that made us because yeah. we're gonna i'm trying not to like verbally vomit everything back yeah that, that that's in that special it's on netflix everyone has netflix just go mm-hmm. watch it it's 45 minutes yeah. long Longer than the, not as long as this episode, so it's gonna be great. And your head's gonna spin a little because everyone takes credit for it. <laughs> yes, this is the first time. Like, just movies that made us the holiday edition for that is the first time that they really went into full depth of you know what went into making that film because all the the you know the special features that are on the dvd or any other things that you saw beforehand spend that whole time you know excuse my friends blowing tim burton like but this one but this one literally goes into the minds that went there and it's it's full like concrete proof which is like something that like i already knew the concrete proof that like tim burton was there like five times over the course of the years that this movie was made right you know, I feel I feel like Henry Selick is just like a little over himself. Mm, maybe a little bit. Because like at the end when they talk, I mean, just like you mentioned that Sally and Jack were based off of Carolyn Thompson and Danny Elfman, respectively. Mm-hmm. He Henry Selick is just like mm, Jack is me and. <laughs> and uh sally is my wife because she's my rock and it's like really i mean they also had a debate over like who is who has the rights to like write the movie and like Mm -hmm. make edits and everything it's very fascinating go watch it but back to our thoughts and (laughs) yes i mean you know with that being said i do have i do have a hot take the Burton fans aren't going to like me for this. And again, I love this film so much. I, I But a hot take that shouldn't be a hot take is this is not a Tim Burton movie. This is a Henry Selleck movie. 
Drag me. Drag me. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Drag me. That's my hot take. I mean, I don't disagree with you, mm-hmm. but I feel like it has a lot of Tim Burton's thumbprint on it. So, yeah. <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, Henry wouldn't, you know, probably be involved with the movie if, if Tim wasn't, you know, be, you know, because the whole idea too was just like, it was like, okay, if, if Tim can't do this film now, who can we get to, like, we'll have Tim work as a producer. Who can we get who can make this look the most like a Tim Burton movie? And no one else could have done it except for Selleck himself. Yeah, I guess they wanted to add Tim Burton just because, like you said, he was the hot director mm-hmm. or the hot name at the time where he had a few movies under his belt. Was Beetlejuice after this or before? I think it was before. I think it was before and then like Batman, Batman struggled. And, and then like he that. was working on Batman Returns while they were working on this movie. So like, yeah. that's he why would, he couldn't yeah. make it. He would have directed it otherwise, but like it's just like, yeah, Batman Returns. That's literally like that's the calling card right now. You you do that movie. You do that movie. Yeah, and Tim Burton. I think that's really if you look at his career, that's his only sequel that he was involved with. True. Because like even the Alice in Wonderland sequel, that was that he's nope. He nope. maybe he was a producer on that, but like he wasn't directing it. He didn't direct it. That's true. That's and true. even. And so Disney wanted to like make a sequel to mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm. Uh, nope, not Nightmare on Elm Street. Wrong movie entirely. That'd be Nightmare dope if they did though. <laughs> there, there's definitely sequels of that one. But Disney wanted a sequel of Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And Tim Burton was like, no, yeah. why? Jack goes to Thanksgiving Town? Why? I'm intrigued to see the other towns though. I am. But like, <laughs> I agree with him where it's like, he learns his lesson Mm -hmm. i mean he finds i guess yeah you would say that he finds his identity at the end and that's what this is Mm -hmm. about but like why would he go to other towns in the sequel unless you make it a different character entirely yeah or something else but like or like something else within like the the universe or something like that but yeah no i i totally agree like there's i mean there are some times where you can squeeze a sequel out, even though there's nothing to be made. But this movie is definitely something where like there is nothing. Like there is no cough, cough, Mama Mia, here we go again. <laughs> cough, cough. What? <laughs> did somebody say something? I sure as hell didn't. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think though that this movie could be made into like a stage musical? Absolutely. Hundred percent could this like it lends itself to it like because we're you know in a, a time you know and we have been for a long time where a lot of uh, Disney films have been brought to stage and they work well as well as you know adding more music to the stage versions. This yes. I feel like you can. I honestly feel like you can literally take this from the screen and drop it on the stage and it's like okay it works i mean obviously you're gonna have to do things a little different here and there because yeah. like you can't really do a montage the way that it's done in the movie or True, yeah. what have you but like i feel like they could do a stage version and i feel like maybe add a few songs here and there just like a little little things little things not 
I, it, it already has 20 songs, so I feel like you mm-hmm. can use all of them. Yeah. But, like, maybe, like, another song for Sally. True. She's only got one song. Yeah. Well, one and a half, because she does yeah. the closing. I think that's yeah. the, maybe define a mm-hmm. villain. Mm-hmm. Or it's Jack. Who oh. knows? Jack is the is the protagonist slash antagonist. Yeah, that could that could work. You know, he he could be. There is like a, a a lot to be said about like shows and movies in which like the protagonist and the antagonist are pretty much the same. Like pretty much their own undoing is their fault. You know, like even Hamilton's a great example in which like you know uh, Hamilton in the beginning of the show like his dedication and his his hunger is like admirable, but it. it does end up kind of being his own doing like his own undoing and it's like after a while you're just like is this dude redeemable i'm not sure like it's just like you kind of you like you kind of wonder about the qualities and whatnot and you know jack kind of gets into his own head and which like he is he does cause a lot of pain (laughs) he does yeah but like it's the same as hamilton is for per your example where like they are not actively trying to be the villain. It's right on accident that they are the villain. So like, if you want Oogie Boogie to be the actual villain, like beef up his role a little bit because I, I took note. (laughs) (laughs) He's kind of, he, he has that one line and this is Halloween, but it's his shadow. Mm -hmm. He's mentioned again at about 35 minutes into the film. Mm Mm-hmm where you see his shadow uh, again um, mm-hmm. and he he's part of Kidnap the Sandy Claws where mm-hmm. that's where he eats the bug but he doesn't show up until about 48 minutes into the movie and this movie is like an hour and 15 minutes long yeah. so you have your, vil- your quote unquote villain show up in the third act and you're like come on dudes yeah it's, it's almost Princess, like but yeah, like, <laughs> yeah it's almost like you know, this this whole time is like, yeah, Jack's kind of been like the like unintentional villain. And it was like, okay, we need someone worse than him. Like literally, like Yeah, the one that is. will kill Santa. Yeah, exactly. You know? And also I, I got to say, it was just like <laughs> like Lock Shock and Barrel, those two like those three trick-or-treaters like had no repercussions like <laughs> over what they did. Yeah, they were also random characters that just show up mm-hmm. apparently they're Oki's henchmen mm-hmm. or hench people i should say yes uh and then they just go away and you're like mm, you guys i mean they are also iconic characters because you see their mm-hmm. um images all splattered all over disney at this yes. point yes exactly which i got a question for you mm-hmm. why do they wear masks i don't get it yeah yeah it's it's it is weird because like their masks are the same shapes of their faces yeah the same shapes of their faces when they take them off it gets a little confusing it's like oh snap i mean maybe it's a metaphor i i don't know but it's also weird that they're also like kind of constantly wearing masks i don't even i'm not even sure if they live in halloween town now that i think about it like well yeah that's that's another question too so like obviously santa leaves christmas town to go to the mm-hmm. real world right hmm. but then like okay so two-parter a 
how does Jack go to like the the tree clearing mm-hmm. with all the town doors and then be like is does Halloween do, do the residents of Halloween Town go to the real world on Halloween to like spread Halloween emotions joy yeah. cheer whatever you want to call it I mean it it kind of alludes to it like it like near the beginning when they're like giving out awards like the um the mayor you know gives out an award to the vampires for the most you know blood drained in a single evening but where did they drain that blood <laughs> right so i mean i know you don't have the answers to these questions and i'm nitpicking this yeah. movie because like i said i'm a i'm an adult male watching this movie for basically the first time so <laughs> i got questions uh Caroline Thompson, if you're listening, come on the pod. Answer these questions for me. Tim Burton, yes. if you're listening, come on the pod. <laughs> Henry Selick, you could stay home. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't trust you, Henry Selick. Danny Elfman, <laughs> I do trust you. Come on the pod. Yeah, I know that there, there probably is still a little bit of uh, tension between uh, Elfman and Selick. Um, just based upon the... Uh, the process and because i mean elfman was supposed to be the speaking role and just ended up not and apparently like them working together there was just a lot of friction um so you know henceforth so many much friction yeah. uh i do have one thing that i want to mention that i don't know if you know about there mm-hmm. is an album called nightmare revisited it came out in 2008 uh celebrating the 15th year anniversary Mm-hmm. Uh, where um, you have bands like, or artists, I should mm-hmm. say, because my first example is Marilyn Manson singing This is Halloween, uh, The All-American Rejects doing Jack's Lament, Corn uh, <laughs> singing mm-hmm. Kidnap the Sandy Claws. God, yeah. I need to re-listen to this album now. <laughs> yeah, this, it. I say one of my favorite tracks on that album is definitely like Amy Lee's rendition of Sally's song because it's just like it's so perfect. It's she's so- a great singer too. Yes, like people shit on Evanescence all the time, and it's like, but Amy Lee. Yeah, but but Amy Lee, like honestly, it's just like if you must, if there's anything to be taken from the arts in general and <laughs> music of that time and Evanescence, just think about just like the vocals that Amy Lee gave to Evanescence and it's beautiful. It makes the song so beautiful. So I don't know if this is going to make the cut, but I'm going to tell you a fun story about me. (laughs) (laughs) So I once, uh, when I was in college, I, we had a haunted quote unquote trail that like Mm -hmm. um, every year, my friend Mike would set up like different stations that mm-hmm. uh, you know like the typical like guy getting cut in half other scary things like spider webs and things like that one year i was part of dolls coming to life that kind of scare okay. and our bit was that we did a creepy dance to the Marilyn manson version of this is halloween <laughs> so as much as you love the Amy Lee version, I have like I do have an emotional attachment to that, but mm-hmm. still, like he made it creepier. Yeah, I feel he like. made it even like he 
was like you found a way to kind of like because like initially even though like the songs that elfman did are creepy there's like this whimsy to them you know that's like right part of his like style is like kind of adding a little bit of like that whimsy like to the the creepiness just like a nice balance but Marilyn said, nah, we're going to go this. We're going to do it my way. <laughs> and he did. And the crowd goes wild. But yeah, like I said, I don't know if that's going to make the cut. Probably will. Do you have anything else that you want to mention about this movie? I know you love it so much, mm-hmm. but. As, as far as like this, this movie goes and like structure wise in the, in the, the process it's so fascinating where things go and, and and how like things are said even today. I feel like this film, even more so than like the the rest of the films in Burton's catalog, is you know kind of the biggest reason as to why like he still gets like big budgets if he wants. And 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 again, it's it's crazy because it's like of all the stuff that's in his catalog or what was in the uh there was a, a museum at the you know the Lachma had an exhibit specifically for Tim Burton stuff and his aesthetic and whatnot and it's funny because you know it's it happens to be the one movie he just didn't direct but you know his aesthetic is iconic and this is where you get to see it in its biggest um attempt because things in live action aren't as whimsical as things like this. So this is where you really see like, you know, his stamp placed upon it and, you know, big ups to him, the writing team, big ups um, to, you know, to Selick who all the films he's done so far uh, after that people have immediately thought that Tim Burton did it. <laughs> um, Cause if you, if you don't know what he, he's done, he's, he's done Disney's version of James and the giant peach and um his most recent which has a, a following in itself uh he was the director of Coraline um which most people actually thought Tim Burton did but that was only because like marketing and stuff who said it said from the director of Nightmare Before Christmas and most people think Tim Burton did uh it. and plus uh, it kind of has that same feel as Nightmare yeah there's definitely like a feel like it's just like their styles mesh that's you know why he was hired i said this before but you know um but yeah it's it's definitely um aesthetically probably the most promising film in like a tim burton catalog um for me just because um it's the easiest to make everything because you know live action powder them up put some dark (laughs) eyeline but like this yeah do you think do you think this movie will have would have had uh the same amount of success if it was drawn for studi i don't think so i think um i think with stop motion it being so tangible like you feeling like you could like touch it and be in this world and whatnot gives you a feel where you can you can feel a lot more empathy but also enough where like you can still take a lot of license with some of the stuff that maybe isn't as fleshed out or maybe like the idea with musicals because I mean with Disney doing musicals before you know it was said that like it was probably Disney animated films probably have more licenses being musicals because you can already like 
uh, suspend your disbelief so far that like it it doesn't matter so this added like a nice um a nice balance plus like the creepiness like yeah it does it does help because somebody told me once that like stop motion is uh, like a lot of people don't like it because it doesn't look natural Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna agree with them but like on this um on this movie because you watch it and you're like ooh, like ooh, you're so used to fluid movement whether it's animated two or 3d or live action but once you do stop motion i mean you're you're gonna see things that are a little jerky and they try not to yeah which kudos to this movie because a lot of the a lot of the stuff that they do there's a balance between the jerkiness and the fluidity of it there's like so many great examples of things one of my favorite i'm gonna just say one of my favorite shots of the film is jack in the graveyard after he got blown out of the sky Mm -hmm. and that one i feel like is the longest shot they got without Mm -hmm. having to stop right yeah it's just like it's panning around him panning around him yeah so i I was watching i was like this one didn't stop at all (laughs) yeah that that's that's if yeah it feels so real that's that's where i can say and i think like i think that is like the unbrokenness of it i think that's more of a of a selic touch than a burton touch i don't care who directed it i mean i'm just saying the shot itself is beautiful yeah, yeah, no, it, it's gorgeous. And like, I think another thing that is cool is just like, like you still feel a lot, like a lot of emotion from the characters. They they emote very like well, especially like when they're singing. You can actually like feel like the song is coming from them. There's not a lot of stop motion in which I can say that that is a thing where it's like, okay, this feels like really grounded. I feel the scale, the scope of the environment. I feel it. And like the textures that they have, like Oogie Boogie, his cloth yeah like like you you're like that's burlap it's yeah. not i and like i don't know if they actually did use burlap for it right. or they painted it's great there's a lot of textures like that throughout the movie that Love i it. give them credit for mm-hmm. do you want to get into sharp and flat while we're here and like yeah. loving on the movie let's great do let's do it sharp flat in this segment, we're going to highlight some moments, whether we talked about them or not. And if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. Darius, what are your sharps? Sharps. So sharps is definitely the music, the music and the order in which they come like, from start to finish. Just so great. Um, there are some great ensemble numbers in this um, that you know definitely rival the stage i think that if you want to like really really see like what like danny elfman has done musically this is a great showcase of his entire skill set um because he pulled out the stops and i think like if this is like the first movie that he really like did like everything musically wise he had a lot to prove and damn it (laughs) he did like he did so well and he sings he sings in the lead role too so it's like it's a lot it's it's he's singing the lead role and he's also um he is also one of the trick-or-treaters he is barrel he's the skeleton he does a few of them because he yeah. also does the clown with no face and mm-hmm. a, 
go to the IMDb page and just look it up. We're giving you, the listener, a lot of homework to do in this episode. There's a lot of homework like, to do in this. <laughs> there were a ton of trivia facts that I was just like, I can't read all of these right now. So much. So much to know. But yeah, that's something that's definitely sharp for me. The, the music, the performance of the music is phenomenal to me. It's great. So I wrote down the stupid little jokes here and there. <laughs> for example, vampires with umbrellas in the sun. Like that just killed me. And but the one, the one that like really got me was when Jack got stabbed in the finger with a needle and he reacts as if it was if it wasn't bone. Yeah. He's like, ow. where he where he goes, ow, and shakes his hand and like tries to stop the bleeding. I'm like your bone (laughs) that's the thing you're just like there's so many like there's like that because there's a lot of those little things here and there that like made me chuckle and i'm Mm -hmm. so happy that they included it yeah i also really liked that the sun in halloween town is a jack-o'-lantern yeah i don't know why like a lot of my sharps are very little nitpicky things here and there which i know i usually don't do but I'm going to do them for this episode. Mm-hmm. I real I also, I don't know if this is, if this, I don't want to count this as like a stupid little joke because it's a long bit, but how the Russian doll character makes a Russian doll for the Halloween, for uh, Christmas. <laughs> like pretty much sending himself. It, it, it's, there's there, a lot of things. There is one little bit too that, I don't know if I paused it just to like read it, but on Jack's blackboard during the experiment montage, which by the way, I love the montage too. Huge sharp there. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the blackboard, he has out all these equations and one part of the equation is chestnuts over, like divided by over open fire. And I was like, this, you guys you guys the puns the puns and i also really loved and sharpening how halloween town was ready to help jack out like they had a little trepidation but then jack is like no no we gotta do this for me and they're like cool and so like everyone was happy trying things out and no one was real like sally was the only one that was just like jack don't do it but like Mm -hmm she had reasons no one else was like dissenting upon that and that's pretty cool that you know it's like if we're going with the idea that this is jack trying to find his identity like all of his friends are like cool let's help you out in your time so yeah yeah they're like yeah this sounds this sounds great i'm down to do this yeah i'm going to support you 110 percent let you Mm -hmm. figure your shit out and then still support you if you change your mind again. Right. Which is right. what he does. Uh, do you have any flats for this movie? Like I said, I had difficulty finding ones. So one of my biggest flats that I can think of off the top of my head, as great as Lock, Shock, and Barrel are, again, they have no repercussions for their actions. They literally, at the end, they, they lead the mayor to like where they can find jack and they're like hey he he's here right here just like we said like it was just like but yeah we left him with oogie boogie oopsies yeah it was just like yeah this was like you you guys are trash like he literally like jack told you not to take him not to do anything with oogie boogie and that's the first place you guys went 
cross your fingers. They didn't go to jail, time out, nothing. Like nothing happened. So I was like, okay, that's that's pretty flat. I was like, punish these badass kids. Like honestly, we'll add that to the list of plot holes or <laughs> story yeah. holes, I should say. Yeah, there's a, there are a lot. That's another flat thing. There are a lot of like story holes, plot holes. It's just like I didn't yeah. even write that down, but I was just. I was kind of okay with it, even though like that romance came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But I was fine with it. For me, the biggest Ooh. flat is that it took me 33 years to appreciate this movie. <laughs> That's that. I mean, better late than never. That's I true. mean, I did it. it. Yay. You finally did it. And now you can spend like the next 33 years like picking it apart because there's so much, like, even. So you know how much. you know how much time like in my 20s was like spent it was just like okay so jack's a skeleton right well how can he blink like, it was just like i didn't even think of that <laughs> like he blinks and closes his eyes he smiles he frowns he does a bunch of like faces so he can do a bunch of stuff i just let that up i just chalked it up to like aesthetic like it's just it's better if he can emote because if he can't then like we can't like you know empathize much with him you know? i mean the same thing could probably be said about deadpool and like how his eyes squint Squint. and it's a mask and you're like uh another a flat that i had so i'm going to assume that the real world that we are seeing when jack goes to deliver presents is america Mm. and so i wrote down america's reaction to shoot first and ask questions later like i felt that was too mm, easy of a response Mm -hmm right also random and it's it's actually interesting because jack himself he never really sees how he ruined christmas like he never sees people afraid of his gifts and stuff like that he never actually sees it he doesn't really realize that like it was a really big problem until he shot out of the sky in the graveyard and everything's burnt up that's where he sees his issues but he doesn't really that's the thing though too I don't know if he knows yeah. that because he's used to Halloween town where screaming mm-hmm. is means joy or whatever. Right. So he could think that the screams, if he's hearing them, mm-hmm. means that they love the gifts. Right. But yes, he he had he had to realize that he did wrong when mm-hmm. he was shot out of the sky. And I was just like, could you have figured out something a little different than like yeah the military shooting him out of the sky yeah like i don't know i i do feel like you know, maybe it would have been like he, he's essentially finding out that he's the villain of his own story he's at that point which i mean that song he sings fantastic but it's just like yeah he he figures that out um you know he sees the screens he figures it out after it's just like oh they're trying to hit us we must have screwed up you know like really bad but right. it's, like, it's so heavy at that point it's like i don't know it's like maybe there's i don't know maybe he finished or something like that and then it's just like oh no i i screwed up and then they're like okay we're shooting now like oh snap <laughs> like, this is this has gotten from bad to worse already like literally that's his one eyed like his one like deciding factor that he screwed up is when he realized they were trying to hit him and he was just like jack at that point would be like what are you doing i'm giving you guys joy <laughs> you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying yeah 
when he somehow figures out that the violence is like, okay, this is opposite. It's just like, but you guys are monsters. No one tries to get you before. <laughs> I have so many questions to it that, I, that you can't answer. So like I said, Kara, uh caroline thompson come on the pod exactly like the the little stuff that probably just like you know uh never made it you know hit the cutting room floor just like maybe there's some notes that like she got that she had to take some things out of the screenplay that she probably like because i really do feel like she probably she definitely has like pages of backstory that she is like written because she she did her all to make this script happen because it's from a poem so it's like she's got to like flesh this stuff out and listen to her talk it feels like she knows these characters so well right yeah so she she has the answers would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist yeah um (laughs) i definitely would say what's this is definitely something that like because that i guess that like that curiosity of something new of being like right in the middle of it it's definitely something that i've felt whether it's the dance community or the musical theater community it's definitely something where it's just like I'm just in awe of everything. And I'm just like, yeah. And that song is the most up. It's the most uplifting that we actually like hear Jack in the story. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. like, cause it's just like, he's, he's pretty depressed. He finds this thing and it's great. And then it's, he spends the whole time trying to figure it out and trying to get everyone else to understand it to where like, we'd never really see him that happy. And it's like, it's just, it's, such a great positive moment before shit hits the fan (laughs) essentially i wrote down this is halloween jack's lament it just blew my mind it's so weird because i think i saw this movie before but i guess i didn't register it Mm -hmm. because like i know that i know that song and the other song that i'm going to add to my life's playlist that i sing a lot is making christmas Mm -hmm. i sing it all the time you know, when you're when you're working on something, you're like making Christmas, making Christmas, making Christmas, making Christmas. But again, I don't have a recollection of watching this movie as a kid or yeah. at all. So I must have seen it at some point. And or I don't know if it's like I've listened to the trailer because I know that mm-hmm. those songs were in the trailer, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely the yeah making christmas um what's this and this is halloween are definitely songs that like are all plagued throughout the the uh trailers coming up because they're they're the songs that are the most like the most upbeat upbeat. yeah they're most upbeat so it's just like here children come see our scary come see our movie and then you come there and it's just like well 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 oh no Oh, oh dear and on that note, we have come to the end of the episode. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> I know. I know you want to talk about it for, like, ever. I could. <laughs> <laughs> but besides doing that, Darius, what do you have to plug or promote? For people listening right now, um, the second half of season two should be out right now um it will have been out for about a week at this point uh keep checking that out we got some great stuff uh in there that's uh yeah candy store from heathers um maybe this time from cabaret uh jolly holiday from mary poppins um we've got something's coming from west side story and then we are we have ended up the the season with sincerely me from dear evan hansen 
right? Uh, linked up to the release of the movie. Um, we also ourselves, um, we also ourselves have a podcast that should have been out. Uh, it's called Stage the Sofa, in which basically all we do is uh, we talk about what we're doing and our processes behind the scenes stuff. Um, just to give you a little bit more information about what it is we do and the process behind uh, adapting things from stage to screen. So it's, it's mostly a film podcast. Um, but You're a podcaster now. Yay! Yeah. 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 Some of the teams like this would be great. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm terrified. <laughs> we'll see by the time this comes out, if we're any good at it. Um, and then also like within topics. So like by the end of this month, um and this month meaning with the month that this podcast is out we also are releasing a nightmare before christmas ensemble number in which we are doing this is halloween and we're gonna do this yes so we're we're doing this and it's something fun that we're all going to be doing multiple uh roles myself i'm going to be the mayor in that scene so check that out and you're um in jolly holiday if i remember correctly yes i am also uh bert in jolly holiday and yeah get to do some dancing with a terrible british accent but (laughs) (laughs) if you want to reach out to me about i don't know your love of nightmare before christmas to chide me for not watching it as a kid i don't you can do that i don't I won't, I won't, you know, yell at you. Uh, you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. You can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttersongpod. And yeah, if you want to be part of the next episode's discussion, we're going to be talking about The Worst Witch. You know, there's more Octoberness movies coming out this mm-hmm. month. If you catch my drift, wank <laughs> so stay tuned um and darius how do i want to sign off on this one do you want to go see what dr finkelstein is creating let's go see let's what see. dr finkelstein is creating yeah let's see what he's doing let's see let's <laughs> see if he's created a harem at this point making christmas making <laughs> christmas bye for now everyone bye <laughs> Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.